Hey, you're listening to Blue Jean Church's podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. To learn more about Blue Jean Church in Selma, Alabama, visit us at www.bluejeanselma.com. What's up, fam? I'm so glad. Is anybody glad to be here this morning? Yeah, raise your hand if you're glad to be here this morning. Yeah, amen, I am too. Okay, now, now Nick, I saw you didn't raise your hand, but I'll, I won't take it personally, okay? Josh will lead me through inner healing later or something. Um, y'all, I'm so, I'm so glad to be here with you today, and, um, and I'm excited that I'm here. I'm excited that you're here, but does anybody know that Jesus is right here in this place? And see, that's the, that's the important thing, and that's the exciting thing. Because God brought each and every one of us in this place from somewhere, wherever we were, brought us into this exact church this morning. Isn't that cool? Now listen, um, before, we, before we get going, I've got a, a word that I'm burning in my, have burning in my heart to share with you this morning. Before I do, um, I, I just, uh, I've, I promised and felt like I was supposed to just give an affirmation to this church. Because see, I just for a month was in Africa, okay? And I learned all kinds of cool stuff. Like for instance, as, as teachers and uh, preachers in church, we hold microphones like this. I learned that as an evangelist, you slide your hand up to the top, you put the microphone right here and you say, hallelujah! <laughs> I want everybody to try on three. One, two, three. Hallelujah! Amen. Don't worry, I'm not gonna... Where's, that? Where's Donna? I'm not going to hold the microphone like that the whole time, I promise. <laughs> you better go ahead. You better go ahead. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Um, <laughs> but uh, listen, during, during, the, during the trip, I mean, we'll, I won't be able to, to I, I have a word I want to share this morning. It's going to be packed with some testimonies, um, but the whole thing is going to unfold. I've got testimonies to share for years, probably. What I want you to know is that the support that came from this church was unbelievable. I want you to know that while I was in Africa, in Kenya, we were a team of eight evangelists. And we would do crusades at night. On the weekends, we would go into marketplaces and do uh, what they call pop-up crusades there. And during the week, we were doing mostly youth crusades where we would minister to the youth. We broke off into teams of two or three and the team that I was part of, the sub-team I was part of, two or three, conducted over 48 youth crusades, sometimes more than eight a day, and ministered to over 30,000 children. And see, when you think about that, it's so overwhelming because you know it's like, I know that y'all are sick of hearing it, when Bob says it and Matt says it and I say it, but don't you know that the harvest is ripe? It's not just ripe in Honduras. It's not just ripe in Kenya. We are living at a time when it is ripe across the world and right here in Selma. Amen? Whatever we have been thinking in our, in, in our mind, it's unfathomable what God wants to do. He wants to break every barrier and boundary for what we think is going to happen in this end time harvest. 
But I also want to, also on a personal note, I want to say that of the eight evangelists that we were, were part of our team, they came from uh, Australia, Singapore, Burma, uh, England, Finland, Hawaii, even Portland, Oregon. Okay? And the shocking thing to me was how many evangelists that I met while I was there and how many I've met over the years that felt like they didn't have a church home, who felt like they didn't have a church that supported them. When I told them about Blue Jean Selma, they couldn't believe what they were hearing. The support that, 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 that you guys gave to me in prayer and sending me off there financially and all this stuff that you did to help, it's a big deal and it's very unique and special. And I want you to know how important that is to me. But I also want you to know that Blue Jean, I was talking about this with Mel and Catherine yesterday. Blue Jean at its core is one of the most evangelistic churches I've ever seen in my whole life. How many of you know that's important? And that's a good thing. That what we preach about going outside of these walls and bringing the gospel outside, that we really do that in a way that I've rarely seen other churches do. And so I just want to bless all and each and every one of you that what God's doing in this place is important. And people all across the world are talking about it. Isn't that cool? Amen. Well, uh, Mel was giving me a hard time yesterday saying, uh, you know, he asked me if I was going to wing it today. So just to prove I didn't. Because today there's a heart, a word that's burning in my heart. That word is redemption. Everybody say redemption. One, two, three. Redemption. All right. Now look, we got, I had to pretend I was smart, so I had to do this little thing. The word redemption comes from our word redeem, the verb in English, okay? Which comes from the Latin word, I'm going to say it real fancy Bob style, redemere. And what that means is you can see the re at the beginning, which always means like right to return, to, uh, to go back, like anything back or again. And then amere means to buy. And so when we talk about redemption, we're talking about buying something back. Now, I was thinking about an example of that, and I came up with uh, one that maybe some of, my, some of my fellows over here will remember. Um, there was a, a horrible, I mean like really, really, is it okay if we have a little fun this morning? Okay, amen, amen. Anybody know that this is a happy place? I remember, uh, what, was the, what was the name of uh, uh, Mark Waters? Mark Waters one time said, when we come to church, we're not going to a funeral service. We're going to a wedding, amen? All right. Glad we're on the same page here. Okay. Now, there was a horrible show when I was growing up on Comedy Central. Now, I didn't have Comedy Central. Shout out mom and dad. But all my neighbors who had cable, I would go over to their house and we would watch these terrible shows on Comedy Central. One of them, and I'm not recommending anybody go watch it, the opposite, okay, was called Tosh.0. Okay, okay, I heard a couple chuckles. Some people remember this terrible show on Comedy Central. Oh, wow, Matt's very excited. Uh, okay. And there was a, a segment of the show that they called Web Redemption. Now, this was like in the early days when YouTube was just becoming a thing. And I wonder if you remember the first YouTube video I ever saw was of a, a very nice woman who was 
for some reason on her local TV station uh, showing how to stomp on grapes and to make them into wine. And this poor lady uh, wanted to show off, and when she did that, she tripped and face-planted on the ground and made some very, uh, she expressed her pain in some very funny ways, okay? And so I, I can imagine, some of you maybe have seen it too. The things that this guy would do is that he would then go find that person, show everybody on his show the video, and then allow that person to do something like stomp grapes and not fall on their face right? That they were, what were they doing? They were, why did they call it web redemption? Because that person, according to Tosh, was buying back their dignity so that they'd be able to go walk around. They were buying back their, their, uh, their ability to save face. That's what they were buying back by going and doing that video again. But don't worry, I can, I can already hear, um, I can hear somebody in the church saying, oh my God, is he going to preach from Comedy Central the entire time today? No, I'm not. Don't worry. Okay, because as much as I like talking about Tosh Poino's web redemption, I want to talk about God's plan for redemption. Amen? All right. Sweet, sweet, sweet. And what better place for us to begin than the beginning? Amen? What do I mean? I mean that when we look in the beginning of the book of Genesis— we can find out the exact plan that God had for each and every one of us, for what human beings were made for and why he created us and what he wanted our lives to be like. When we look at it, I mean, we, we literally find out that God made man in his own image and he made man so that man would have dominion or have, uh, have dominion over everything that was on earth. And man walked in the garden with God, naked and unashamed. Not just with his wife, with, with Eve, but he also walked with God, naked and unashamed. Now, I was thinking this morning, I don't know if this joke is, uh, is, is you know, appropriate for church or not. We can cut it out of the video later if we need to. But I wonder if anybody in this place other than Matt has walked naked through the woods. Don't raise your hands. Don't raise your hands. But it was different in the garden because when they, when they walked, they, they were walking literally hand in hand with God. If you want to talk about perfect intimacy, that was perfect intimacy. They lived in the garden, walked with God hand in hand. There was no shame. There was no guilt. There were no barriers, not even the barriers of their own clothing between their hearts and the heart of God. And in order to make man, God literally came and breathed the breath of life into his creation. And that is where mankind came from. When God released his breath, the breath of life, and Adam became a living being. A living being. But now listen, we all know where the story goes from there. We know that sin entered into the world through Adam and Eve when they chose to listen to what the serpent was saying rather than what God was saying. They had a choice and they followed this way rather than this way. When they did that, they brought sin 
into the, into the world and into the human existence. Before then, there was no death. There was no suffering. There was no sickness. There was no uh, demonization. There was no, none of that stuff. But when they sinned, they opened the door for the enemy to come in. And when they did, it opened up man to all of that stuff. And the perfect intimacy that man had experienced with God in the garden had to be separated, had to be changed. And the descendants of Adam and Eve, they made the problem worse by continuing to walk further and further into this, into this life of sin. For instance, we read in Genesis chapter 11 about the Tower of Babel. Up until that point, all human beings on the earth had spoken one universal language. They all spoke the same language. But when they started to use that to challenge God's authority and to hold themselves up to try to reach and build a tower up to the heavens so that they would again, like was the, the serpent had deceived Eve, to be as powerful as God or as high as God, that's when God came in and separated the lang- and created language barriers not because he was mean, but because he wanted to separate human beings so that they wouldn't challenge God. He did it out of love. And in this broken system, God sent through Moses the law. Why did he send the law through Moses? He sent the law through Moses because man was, had already brought sin into their, into their lives. But the law was there specifically so that they would know the bar that they were expected to be up to and know that nobody could reach it. Does everybody know that there's one human being on earth ever that actually uh, fit the law and fulfilled it? That was Jesus, not you. If you think it's you, then go to one of these classes, okay? Because the Bible says that each and every one of us has fallen short of the glory, glory of God and has sinned. Amen? Amen? Each and every one of us. Y'all, I'm so shocked when I go around. Um, I started doing uh, street ministry more so about a year ago. And everywhere we go, we ask the people a question. We say, if you are, imagine that you're wearing a backpack right now. And imagine that that backpack was filled with all of your sin. Would it be heavy? Every single person that I've asked that question to has said yes before, before, they, before they receive Christ as their Lord and Savior. Every single person. See, people know that, that there's sin and know that it exists and know that they're caught up in it. And so Moses created the law so that everybody would be aware of that. Now, sometimes we think, you know, that, that the law doesn't exist anymore. But if we look at... Uh, at the Sermon on the Mount, we see that the law does still exist. We'll talk about this for a second. I know some of you just got, you know, started lighting up your uh, Molotov cocktails. Hold them for a second, okay? I'm go- Trust me on this. Because, see, the, the Bible says that not, Jesus himself said that not a single stroke of the pen, not the smallest letter from the law would be removed until everything was fulfilled. And Jesus himself set a higher bar for the law than Moses did, and, or through Moses. Why? In the Old Testament, all of sin was outward action. 
You know, it was about whether you, if you killed somebody, that was your sin. That was your sin. Jesus challenged and said, it's not if you kill somebody, it's if you think in your heart that you have hatred towards somebody, that's a sin. He also said in the Old Testament, right? It said, if you go and sleep with your neighbor's wife, that's sin. Jesus made it, set it higher. He said, no, if you even think, if you look at somebody the wrong way, that's sin. See how he set a higher bar than was in the Old Testament. Now, I know what you're thinking. You're like, I thought this guy told me we were going to a wedding. I think feel like I'm at a funeral. Well, I've come with good news. I'm not, we're not doing an altar call right now for repentance, okay? We're not stopping the service because God didn't stop there. Amen? I've got good news for you. God wanted to redeem you, and God wanted to redeem me. Put that in English, preacher. God wanted to buy me back, and God wanted to buy you back. You mind if I tell you a story? Does anybody like stories? Raise your hand if you like stories. Oh, wow. Okay, I guess I have to. I guess I have to. All right. Let's see what we got here. Now, this story took place right near Selma, Alabama, and it wasn't, it wasn't very long ago. See, there was a, a, a young boy, kind of like maybe like some of you right here in this audience. And that young boy, he was always out playing in his backyard. And one day he was back there and he put together and built a little boat. It looked way better than this, I promise. But he made that little boat, and he loved that little boat so much. And one day, his, his dad took him up, up river. And they put the boat in the, in the Alabama River, and it started floating around. And the little boy was so, so excited. He was like, <laughs> he was like that, so excited. But then, <laughs> a big burst of wind came, and it took the little boat away from the little boy. Oh, that little boy was so sad. He was so sad. <laughs> his heart burned. He was so sorry for his loss. And he went back home with his dad, and he was at the house, and a couple of weeks later, he was walking down Broad Street. And he looked in the window at Carter Drugs. And what did he see in the window? He saw his little boat. And so he ran into the store and he said, shopkeeper, give me back my boat. And the shopkeeper said, son, it's my boat now. You'll need to pay for it. And the little boy reached into his pocket And he didn't have any money in his pocket. But he was, see, he was set on buying back that boat. So he went back home. He started to work in the people's yards in his neighborhood, working, uh, cutting their grass and doing other work to get the money. Finally, he got the money that he needed to buy back the little boat. And he ran back to that shopkeeper. And he gave the shopkeeper the money. 
And the shopkeeper gave him back his little boat. And he held up the little boat and he said, little boat, twice you're mine. First I made you, and now that I've bought you back. Now see, this story is not just about a little boy in a little boat. This story is about you, and this story is about me. See, just the same way that that boy made that little boat, God made you and God made me. But in the same way that that wind came, came down the river and took the boat away, sin comes into our lives and separates us from God. But the same way that the little boy's heart burned to buy back that boat, so did God the Father's heart burn to buy you back and burn to buy me back. He didn't buy us back with money, y'all. He sent his son Jesus onto this earth because he loved you and because he loved me. And Jesus lived a perfect, sinless life while he was here on this earth. But he paid the penalty that you deserved and that I deserved when he went on the cross. And see, when he went on the cross, that was the payment. That was the buying back. When that happened, God bought all of us back. How does that feel? And see, the Bible says that whoever believes receives that payment and receives that, separate, that, that, that unity and reconciliation with God again. I love how Reinhard Bonnke was, uh, was one time in a different context uh, talking with somebody. And, uh, and he said this, he said, just because somebody lives next to a soap factory doesn't mean necessarily that they're clean. In fact, some people work in the soap factory, but they don't use the soap and so they aren't clean. Don't you know that the same way, if we want to receive the payment God gave for us, belief is what we do to apply the soap, amen? And here's what I want to, here's, here's the, the meat of where I want to be today. When, when God sent Jesus onto this earth, when he redeemed us, he did it completely. What do I mean? I mean that God's plan by sending Jesus onto this earth, that when we believe in Jesus, we receive a complete redemption. God is not an, an imperfect God or an incomplete God. I'm trying to say that right now, because if you believe in Jesus right now, that you have the same access and the same opportunity that Adam and Eve had in the garden before they sinned. You might see where I'm going here. When Jesus in John chapter 20 when Jesus in John chapter 20, he's, 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 he's come back, risen from the dead. He's back interacting with the disciples. And he says to them, receive the Holy Spirit and breathes into them. Don't you see that that's the exact same thing that God the Father did to Adam in the garden? See, when he breathed, he breathed life into Adam and made man. But when we receive Jesus... We receive the Holy Spirit. 
when that happens, Jesus breathes into us. And that creates the same way that that created life for Adam. It creates new life for us. What are you trying to say, preacher? I'm trying to say that you don't have to wait to die and go to heaven in order to experience this. I'm trying to say that, that God's plan is so perfect that when you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, he wants everything that he had initially, the ideal for you and for me, he wants to restore it to us. I'm trying to tell you that when Jesus went on the cross, he put Satan under your feet and under my feet. And I'm trying to say that when he did that, he took everything that went along with that, sickness, disease, uh, demonic influence, all of, this, uh, all of this stuff, all of this mess that comes in and came in because of sin, even death, all of that stuff comes in, came in through sin. But when we are in Christ Jesus and we believe in him, all of that is under our feet. Amen? All of it. Y'all, I, I, I was, uh, I don't want to shout out anyone in particular here. Um, but I had, uh, I, I had uh, some stuff that I, I, was, I had for somebody. And that stuff took three bags worth of, it filled up three bags. When that person came to my house on Friday, they left one of the bags in my house. And they left. Don't you know that, that the same way that that person left one of the bags with their gifts in my house, I gave it to them, and they never walked out the door with it. See, when we, when we give our lives to Christ, God wants to give us what Derek Prince used to call a complete salvation. Josh, Josh when he's here, can do an explanation and a teaching about sozo. What it what I'm trying to say is that it's not just you get into heaven, but that you can get you can get healed, delivered, set free, all of that in one. All of that comes in the package. But see, some of us when we go to the when we go, it's like it's like going to a store and then we buy this stuff and we leave one of the bags. Or we go to somebody's house, they give us gifts and we leave one of the bags. We go in and we say, okay, God has a bag with a gift of going to heaven. Oh, I'm going to take that one up. God has a gift for deliverance. Okay, I guess I'll take that one. But we leave things like a gift for healing and health there and then walk out the door. We say, oh, you know what? I, I, I don't know if I've sinned a lot in my life. I don't know if I deserve that bag. And we walk out. But see, God gave all of that for every one of us in Jesus. Okay, give me an, give me an example, preacher. I'm trying to tell you that, that in Kenya, one night at the crusade, a lady walked up and testified at the end of, at the end of service. She was in front of her entire city. It was a public meeting in a big field. And she testified that she had been HIV positive for years. Came to the crusade meeting on Wednesday night when we prayed for the sick, felt something go through her body, went home and tested negative for HIV the next three days. 
See, things that we think are so big that there's no way God bought them back through the cross, I'm telling you that he did. I'm telling you that one day we were doing outreach street ministry. Matt, you would have loved this part. We would go into different markets around town with this huge truck with these big speakers on it. And we would bump music until and dance our faces off and stuff until everybody came and would gather around just to see what was happening and to participate. Then, whew, remember we're evangelists. One of, the, one of the evangelists would take the microphone, preach a, a quick gospel message, and then do an altar call. And we saw people that were just passing by come participate, hear the gospel, and give their lives to Jesus for the first time. Nick, you got pictures for me? It's okay if you don't. Oh, you got them. Yeah, throw, I'll tell you when to stop. Go ahead. Keep going for me. Keep going for me. One more. Right there. That's an, that's an example of, of the ministry that happened after we, uh, we were in a market and we preached. And then after we preached, all of the evangelists would go out and go minister to the people that were there. Now, in this picture, you see, uh, you can kind of see me there. I'm surrounded by what they call street kids, which is a huge problem in Kenya. With, they have like 300,000 kids that live on the street and that oftentimes are caught up in, in drugs and, and all kinds of, all of that. We can talk about that another time. But this picture, right after this happened, I'm ministering to a man in the, in the middle here. Right after this picture was taken, right before we left, a man came up to me, and he was wearing a head covering. And, uh, and so, I, you know, I think it was a, mes a Muslim head covering. That was why it looked different than other head coverings did. And he came up and he, he pulled me, he kind of grabbed me by the arm and he said, hey, could I, could I talk to you for a minute privately? And, and so I, I said, yes. We went around the corner uh, behind the, you see that black car in back. We went around behind the car, so it was just he and I. And when it was just us, his name is, his name is William. And we didn't get a picture with him. That's why I got this one in the background. William told me uh, how to, I know I got to be careful with how I word this, so I'll word it in a, in a nice PG way. Uh, William confessed to me that a year before he had spent some time with, uh, with a lady and that something had happened. His way of explaining it to me was that he said, quote, she had something. And I, I thought I knew what he meant, but, but I, I found out because he told me that ever since that moment for a year, every time that he went to the bathroom, he had experienced pain and burning. And so he knew that he had, uh, he had a, a disease. And so he had gone to the hospital and spent all kinds, he told me, went to the hospital and spent all kinds of money trying to get treatment for this, but nothing had, nothing had worked. And so I looked at him, I looked at William and I said, have you, ever, have, have you ever given your life to Jesus? And he said, no, but I want to. And when he said that, I preached a, clear, a quick gospel message to him. And after I preached that quick gospel message to him, I said, do you believe what I just shared with you? And he said, yes, I believe it. And I said, let's pray. He ripped his head covering off. We prayed. He prayed the prayer of salvation. Uh, the, prayed the, repentant, the prayer of repentance and stuff.
Then I laid my hands on him, prayed for him to be filled with the Holy Ghost and prayed for him to be healed. Yo, I don't know if you've ever like, see some, some of us, we've been saved for so long that we forget what that moment was like for us. Because when I took my hand off of William's, William's head and he looked at me, he had just realized for the first time ever that all of his sins were forgiven. And that God loved him so much that he had sent Jesus onto this earth just for him. And see, I don't, I don't know about you, but I don't ever want to forget that moment in my life. And I pray that, that, that you don't either. He looked at me with so much joy. You could almost just see on his face the change. But see, at that point, I could have said, have a nice life. But if that had happened, he wouldn't have understood his complete salvation. And so I looked at him and I said, now, William, I want to encourage you to step out in faith. And Rick, you know, you got to do what you got to do. I said, go around the corner of this building and go to the bathroom. And then come back. And when you come back, you're going you're gonna to realize that you've just been healed also. He went around the corner of the building, and dude, when I tell you this guy turned the corner, have you ever seen somebody who doesn't need to testify with words because their face just shows it? I mean, I'm like, he ran to me, and he, and he was like, for the first time in a year, I just went to the bathroom with, with minimal pain. Do you see how in that process he had taken off his HUD covering, renounced the religion of Islam, given his life to Christ, when he did it, not only were all of his sins forgiven, i.e. the first part of the redemption, but also his, whole, his body was healed from a disease that he had been suffering from for over a year. That's what I'm trying to say, y'all. I'm trying to say that God's redemption is complete. It includes healing. It includes all of this stuff. We are supposed to be living like in the garden, even with, okay, somebody, somebody might say, what about death? You said, you said that uh, in the garden there was no death, but now people die even when they're in Christ. So what do you say about that? I say that when we realize that when we give our lives to Christ, we, are, we just started a brand new eternal life. Amen? We don't have to wait until we die and then eternal life starts. Is anybody right now experiencing eternal life? Does anybody feel the joy I feel in your heart? Does anybody else feel free? I remember when I used to walk around, oh, oh, I remember, oh, oh, I'm so angry at that person. Oh, I can't believe I said that. Yo, we are free. All that heaviness taken off. Can somebody say hallelujah? hallelujah. Amen. Eternal life is right now. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. Help us, God. Help us, God. Help us, God. I'm trying to say that, that God's redemption process was so complete that even what happened in Babel has been restored and redeemed. What are you trying to say? I'm trying to say that we said before the Tower of Babel, all human beings spoke the same universal language. And I'm trying to tell you that now that we are filled with the Holy Ghost, we all, we all speak the same language again. What am I talking about? I'm talking about the gift of tongues. I'm also talking about the fact that literally when I'm spirit-filled and you're spirit-filled, you can be talking German, I could be talking English, but I'll know what you're saying. 
And everybody who's been on a mission trip knows what I'm talking about. I'll never forget a time in Honduras. I was with, um, I was with Pastor Manny, and we were out ministering in the streets, and we went up, and there was a guy at his gate, and the Lord gave me a word for him. And so I was like, Manny, pull the car over. We got to go minister to this guy right now. And we went, up, we went up to him, and I told the guy the word. And then I turned to Manny, and I said, Manny, can you translate the word? And the guy said in Spanish, not to me, but to Manny, he doesn't need to translate it because I know what he just said. Do you see what I'm trying to say? I'm trying to say that even the smallest thing that we might have thought that we lost because when sin entered the world, I'm trying to tell you that all of it has been redeemed. Maybe it's not blowing your mind as much as it's blowing mine. Yo, that means that when I walk out of my house in the morning and go on a prayer walk, I'm in the Garden of Eden. (laughs) I'm trying to tell you that right now I'm in the Garden of Eden. Jesus even redeemed us. I told you I was going to come back to this law thing. Because see, the Bible tells us that Jesus redeemed us even from the curse of the law because he became a curse for us. What does that mean? That means that even though it might exist, we don't have to be stuck to the curse of following it anymore. That's what I'm trying to say. I'm trying to say that we've been redeemed. All of us are going to fall short but we've been redeemed from that. We've been redeemed from sin. We've been redeemed from uh, all of this stuff. God bought each of us back. I want you to say right now, God bought me back. All right, now turn and high five at least two people and say it to them. God bought me back. God bought me back. Amen. Amen. you up for me? Thanks, Ricky. <laughs> and on the, on the, on the, on the, on the tongues thing, I got to tell you one story just for fun. When we were at, when we were in Boston, we had prayer meetings at night and in the morning. And, uh, and I have one of my best friends was from Rwanda and uh, the, the language in Rwanda is called Kinyarwanda. Yeah, I think I said it right. Uh, Kinesis and Mark, you can correct me later. And one, one lady from Boston was walking around the church praying in tongues. And at the end, my buddy was freaking out. My buddy went up to her and was like, dude, you were just speaking Kinyarwanda. And what was she saying? She kept on saying the word, something like uere or something like that. And what it meant was Praise. I'm trying to tell you that everything that we might have thought God had taken away from us is accessible to you right now. And I'm trying to say, are you going to take every bag that God left for you, every gift he left for you at the house, are you going to grab them all and run out the door with joy? Or are you going to think that you aren't qualified to get them all? 
Because see, God is all about choice. He lets us choose to follow him. He lets us choose how much of this thing we're going to experience with him. Amen. And so if everybody can stand up on their feet with me. see it's all about belief I believe that God sent me here this morning to raise the faith of some of some people in this church and to raise my own faith he wants us to have new expectation of who he is and what he's doing in this earth and for some people in this place Maybe you realize that you've been not walking with God. Maybe you realize that the cross has always seemed like some faraway thing that you were taught about, but it's never seemed real to you. Maybe at some point today during worship or during communion or during preaching, you understood for the first time what Jesus did for you on the cross. For the first time, you had the faith in your heart to believe what he did. But you've been walking on one road without Jesus. And now you want to turn on a separate road and fully surrender your heart to him. And so if you can bow your head and close your eyes. If that's you. If you realize that you have been walking on a path with a heart that's not fully surrendered to Jesus. I want you to raise up your hand right now as an act of faith unto him. To signal to God that you want to give everything to him. Thank you, Jesus. And I want everybody in this place to repeat this prayer after me. Dear Lord Jesus Christ, I thank you for going on the cross for me. And for paying it all, paying it all, God. I thank you for sending the Holy Spirit. Right now, I open the door of my heart. I give you access to everything in my heart. Lord, take every place of unbelief and shift it right now into a place of belief. give you everything, God. In Jesus' mighty name. God, I just thank you right now for Holy Spirit, for just going forth in this place right now and touching every heart under the sound of my voice and online. Holy Spirit, I know that you know each and every one of the people in this place. You know their needs. You know their wants God you know all that stuff everything about them right now go forth and touch in Jesus name in the spiritual realm right now I lay hands on each and every one of you and I bless you to have faith like you've never had before 
I bless you for a new revelation of the gospel. I bless you to experience a complete redemption. I bless you to walk in the garden with God. Not just when you're at church, but every day and every moment of your life. In the name of Jesus Christ, we command all sickness to depart from this place right now in Jesus' name. Holy Spirit, we release your healing power over these pews. We speak right now in the name of Jesus Christ to every foul spirit, and we command you to go right now in Jesus' name. Lord, I thank you that each person here is a sanctuary and a temple for you, Holy Spirit. Go forth and bless. There's, um, if there's anybody here who needs prayer for anything, come up front. I'm going to stay up here, and I want to pray with you. Also, if, for those of you who raised your hands to maybe give life, your lives to Jesus for the first time, come up, and we want to talk to you about that process, and we want to bless you. Other than that, uh, we got Sunday schools uh, downstairs. And how about I, yeah, let's just, let me just bless you right now in the name of Jesus Christ. I bless you to experience his peace and his love and the fulfillment of everything he has for you, the fulfillment of the dreams and the visions and the prophetic words over your life, the fulfillment of it all right now in Jesus' name. And God, I thank you that, Lord, even as we go from this place, we don't leave from your presence. And so, God, I thank you right now, and I bless everyone under the sound of my voice in Jesus' name. Amen.
Thanks for listening to today's podcast. We hope this message has equipped and inspired you to transform people, your community, and the world through the love and power of Jesus Christ. Whether you're from Selma or anywhere you're listening from, we'd love to hear from you. Visit us online at www.bluejeanselma.com.